Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies and what they mean to us. I'm your host, Kristen Lighty, and I'm really excited today. We have joining us Gwen Sunkel. Hey, Gwen, how are you? Good. I'm doing great. Nice to see you, Kristen. You too. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, I'm a comedian from Indianapolis. Uh, do stand up. I have an album coming out at the end of February called No More Tears. Uh, I would love if you would uh, pre order that when it comes out. Um, yeah, love making the people laugh. And uh, not, 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 I got to tell you, not a horror, a real horror buff. So this, this was new for me. We yep. had trouble finding a movie to watch. <laughs> We, I, I do find that with my guests, oftentimes, you know, they're not the biggest horror fans, but I feel like there's always one thing we can find that people really liked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you said, you know, your relationship to horror, you're not an enthusiast, but um, do you have any other thoughts on like what your relationship to horror is or how you feel about it? I, I've never really been a fan. Um, it either really, really scares me or... Um, is is like so unrealistic that it feels kind of like a waste of my time like unless you're going for you know I'm intentionally going to watch something really campy or something like that um I I had a at a very young age an experience where like I watched the movie Silence of the Lambs and that really you know really did a number on me in terms of like giving other horror movies a chance because that one was just so frightening Oh, I definitely can understand that. Uh, I think we're roughly around the same age. And I do remember like yeah. you, that Silence of the Lambs and being like, oh, this is so, I have not been exposed to this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, people are watching this for fun and enjoyment. <laughs> I do love, you, you all can't see it, but Gwen's background is the Golden Girls and it looks like they're kind of hugging her. So you know, we've created yes. a safe space to talk about scary things. Absolutely. <laughs> What is the first horror movie you remember seeing? Is it The Silence of the Lambs? I don't, I don't know if this counts as a horror movie, but um, the, the like earliest one I can remember was The Ghost in Mr. Chicken, which is a Don Knotts movie, um, <laughs> where like um, there's this house that has an organ that like plays itself um like at midnight sometimes and it had supposedly like a murderer in town went on a killing spree and then played the organ and they to this day can't get the blood stains out of the keys um and it turns out that there's there's like a a tuning organ downstairs I, I don't know how organs work but apparently <laughs> It's like a some sort of two-story organ situation and you can be playing it from downstairs um, to like tune it. Um, and, and it looks like it's being played by itself upstairs. Whoa, wow. Um, I didn't know Don Knotts made that scary movie, but he did have a lot of appearances on Scooby-Doo. So that makes sense. That, yeah, that's true. And I, I, I don't know that I would call it scary. I mean, it is... <laughs> It's still a typical like Don Knotts vehicle, um, but even that was was a lot of peril for me. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad that you uh, are here with me today to discuss this, and <laughs> you worked through everything and found the yeah. strength to discuss this also terrifying movie uh, today for us to talk about. Gwen chose the 1994 ABC made-for-TV production of Stephen King's The Stand 
which for those of you who are not familiar, the stand is about, um, oh, geez, a post-pandemic world, not close to home at all, uh, (laughs) in which two groups of people find themselves, essentially, this is the good versus evil story Mm. of God and the devil trying to reclaim the earth and, and the characters that are doing his works. So, Gwen, why did you choose this gem of a film for us to discuss? Well, um, I think it was one of the few horror films that um, you hadn't had on the show yet before, because again, I can probably count on one hand about how many horror movies I have seen, um, and and they're all the most popular ones. Um, So, uh, but this did make an impression on me because um, I grew up in kind of a, um, like, strict Methodist kind of household, which uh, to my understanding is also kind of how Stephen King um, grew up as a child. Um, so, so like, you know, similar religious upbringing. And this came out when I was in middle school um, and it, it, it aired on like Sunday nights during the time when our church had um, youth group. Um, and I think it was like one of the youth group leaders just wanted to watch it and this was like (laughs) before dvr tivo or whatever where you know you could yeah you could like tape it off of tv but that was really that was you know kind of a hassle um so i think he he was like it was like okay we're gonna watch this and discuss it as like a religious allegory um just because it happens to be on sunday nights at 7 p.m and this was like primetime television you know and it was um an hour each week for six weeks yeah which is so long so (laughs) long um did you watch it like in one sitting or did you break it up yeah I kind of made a nightly routine of it I was like oh time to watch a stand before bed and I would watch like like an hour before bed every night for a while I want to commend you on your commitment to this choice because you know I can hardly get some people to watch an hour-long film but you committed to six hours congratulations (laughs) you're an all-star you know, for, for it being six hours long, um, not a lot happens. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of walking through the desert that they could have just, just, you know, six hours later, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of contemplation and slow conversations, it seems, which is yeah. true to life. And, and I, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Stephen King, you said he's, he, he's uh, like one of your favorites. Um, and, and again, not a huge fan of horror, but like, you know, it's, it's kind of my understanding and the stuff of his that I have read, like his style of writing and storytelling works really well on like the page um, because so much of it's going on like internally and in people's like hearts and minds or like on some sort of like supernatural level that is hard to portray visually. Um, especially with like limited 90s special effects technology, maybe. Um, <laughs> and so um, I, it, it was, it was, it, it felt contrived in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think you have a really good point there because like Nadine's like mental deterioration, they were like, ah, I don't know, just make her hair turn white. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, didn't really like explore some of the like 
you know, just how devastating it was that when this whole pandemic came through and um, let, like, like it goes through in the book so much. Mm. You know, it's interesting when you brought up that you watched this with your youth group, it made me kind of think a little bit about, I got subjected to like sort of a youth group when I was younger called Awana. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, like <laughs> I went to uh, a couple. Like my mom kind of was like, "Oh, this will be good for you. You know, you're going. Your parents yeah. are going through a divorce, and this will be like, you know, just good for you." And I went to a couple things, and they did. And they like feed you, you know, and and <laughs> you occupy your time for two hours on a Wednesday night. Exactly. Got to love that free childcare. Yes. But they would do these games where they would say like, okay, Luke, 312. And then the kids would name and say the Bible verse. And oh, wow. Like, okay, Kristen, we'll give you an easy one. And I would just like stare at them. Like, I, uh, I don't, I don't know that. <laughs> like, oh I, yeah. I think brings up a real, one of the biggest themes in this uh, movie is indoctrination. Like, mm. And granted, I know that it's, it was the nineties, it was ABC. So they couldn't really show us anything too sinful and terrible happening. Right. But like, were the people in Las Vegas really doing anything too terrible? Like, um, I, I think like, you know, the idea is that, you know, Las Vegas is, is sin city, I Uh think is, is probably just like, you know, one of those super obvious Stephen King isms that just kind of happens, but um, <laughs> also like, you know, isn't the, like the whole point of Vegas is like that you go there, you get all your sins out and then you leave, you know, these people are choosing to live there. Like they've set up their intentionally set up their like post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, village society in the place that is all about debauchery and, you know, no rules and no responsibilities. And brought to you by Carl's Jr. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also love that whenever they were showing us something sinful, the music would be like, bam, 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 like just really. Uh... <laughs> it was a very Magnum PI type, you know, uh, guitar heavy soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, because there was also the scene um, where they're showing us, you know, the free zone and like, I don't know, the the scene where they like all weep saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And I was kind of like, oh, oh. Uh, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that was some some bullshit propaganda, <laughs> patriotic propaganda right there. It just felt like, oh, OK. Uh, yeah. What other themes jumped out at you? Uh, throughout this movie? So I, I think I remember that it was supposed to be kind of, you know, the, the discussion in youth group was, it was this like allegory for revelations that it was like, you know, the, the end times and, um, you know, good versus evil and like um, God would kind of have like, quote unquote, abandoned um, earth and it would be like ruled by Satan and his minions. And everyone who had been like left behind would be that you know, have to like um, deal with that aftermath and would eventually um, to like get out of that and not go to hell would have to be martyred um, or like die for the cause or whatever. Um, 
so I guess part of what was like kind of weird and in uh, or like confusing was it was like these are all people who survived the virus and you know I had never seen revelations as a situation situation where it was like it, it was it wasn't like people were gonna die to like escape the you know carnage of the whatever apocalypse they were going to be like lifted up out of their their seats you know alive kind of was the the story that they painted for us in church as children not sure where they got that information um because I, I don't know that it is is as as biblically accurate as they were telling us but you know mm-hmm. um so yeah so that kind of like good versus evil um situation and like um cho- choosing like which which side of humanity you're going to be on and in the end um have it having more faith in humanity you know at the end of it because they they chose to do the right thing collectively as a group um which as we found um now here in our third year of the COVID-19 pandemic is is just simply (laughs) untrue (laughs) and not what we can expect from our fellow humans yeah, or maybe we've been missing the message and we're supposed to form two camps. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Would you go to the free zone or the Orson City? I would go to the free zone. I, uh, Kristen, I boring. I know, I like to play devil's advocate, but ultimately I, I do not want people to die. Uh, All right, if you where say was, so. Where would you go? I don't know. I mean, like those people in the free zone are going to die anyway, you know, um, yeah. why not live it up? <laughs> Even if it's not from the virus, like they're very quickly going to run out of, um, you know, resources. Very true. Yeah. And if you go to Vegas, you have better weather. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Mm, what do you think of my choice? <laughs> my mom would be so mad. Ah! <laughs> Um, oh. Your mom would go to Sin City too. She'd be like, I'm tired of being responsible. <laughs> tired of raising these responsible children who make all the right choices. Fun, and I want a Carl's Jr. burger. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that product placement. Uh, speaking of which, I also loved how many, how more of an active role Stephen King had in this movie. Like, I feel like normally he just pops in once, but this yeah, he was in it a lot. Yeah, he had like lines. Uh, it was, um, I didn't realize that he did that in, in all of his movies. Um, but yeah, that it was almost like a little much, Yeah, you know, he just seemed so excited to be there too. Like, he did. Oh, he seemed so excited. He's the one character that is constantly grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> yeah. Just like, it's me. It's me. You guys, you guys, it's me. I'm in the, I wrote it and I'm in the, I'm in the thing. And it's a, but now he's like a main character just as like a side guy. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, who would you travel with? Like, you know, how kind of everyone kind of ended up grouping up. If you could pick, who would you go with? Oh, um, I forget her name, but um, the girl with the ponytail who they met like in Oklahoma in the drugstore. Oh God. Um, <laughs> she seemed unhinged and like a lot of fun. <laughs> like <laughs> She did seem very scary. What is her name? I want to say it was like Julie. Yeah, Julie. Yeah, Julie, Julie, yes. 
She looked like a Julie. Yeah. Yeah, you are. You are correct. Yes. Um, I was, there, there was a lot of changing of clothes for it being the end of the world. Right. Um, really, really extensive wardrobes for this, yeah. um, which was strange. Well, I guess if there's nothing left and you don't have to pay for anything, I'd go get some new clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, yeah. you should probably focus on food though. You're right. <laughs> Yeah, or like when they when they set out for to go to Las Vegas, uh, the the four guys and they take nothing with them but an acoustic guitar. Yeah, and the dog. Yes, I would. I, yeah, so I would go with Julie and the dog. Nice. I would choose Glenn. He seemed really cool. Yeah. He was yeah. talking about how like the old world sucked. Let's remake it. It's like hell yeah. Yeah, he had a lot of hope for the future. Yeah, I liked him. Uh, the other theme that really jumped out at me is sex before anything besides procreation will, uh, you will end up dead as a woman. <laughs> like, yeah. Dana yeah. and Nadine. Uh, well, I guess, huh. well, Dana, okay. So I am curious, how did youth group talk about Nadine's um, sort of self-inflicted abortion? That must've been a delicate night. Oh, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that they, they went that far into it there. Um, uh, where, but certainly it was, you know, the idea that attaching yourself to, to Satan or evil or the devil, um, was going to result in your demise one way or the other. And if you were a woman, it was probably going to involve sex and sex that you were not excited about. <laughs> <laughs> that was just kind of the, like the general vibe about sex. It's like once you're married, it's going to be fantastic. But if you even think about it before you're married, mis yeah. misery, abject I misery. I, I was raised Catholic and it was a very similar conversation. It was like, sex is disgusting and terrible and dirty and you should only do it with someone you love very much. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I want to subject someone I love to that? Yeah, we both go to hell together, I guess. Yeah. I also love that. I don't know if you saw it, but it was like, there was always a Confederate flag in hell. And I was like, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting to me how like um, judgy the devil was like Randall Flagg, um, you know, hated these women for, <laughs> uh, for being real whores. And um, he hated the like drug addicts, like he had them crucified and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, weren't, are, are you like here for the destruction of society and like anarchy? Like, it seems like a bunch of, you know, orphans and, and drug addicts would would just really liven up the place yeah that's what I didn't understand either because that's supposed to be like the devil's main jam you know like yeah yeah is 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 getting people off of the the heteronormative uh, <laughs> marriage and family train he's a complex devil with layers yeah <laughs> he still wants hell to be a nice place he does he does what did you think about like the um women both women committing suicide to like uh escape Randall Flagg yeah I mean 
it's probably uh <laughs> the underlying message there is probably like work on yourself but um <laughs> I don't know how Randall couldn't take that personally you know yeah yeah um to, yeah to me it was a little bit like you know kind of calling back to that um everyone will have to be martyred um in order to like get into heaven or whatever uh-huh. um but yeah, it was like, it, it didn't feel like the women in this movie had a lot of agency. No, they didn't even have any lines, really. Yeah. But yeah, they just looked really upset all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Larry's new wife. Uh, I feel like the redhead yes. with the curly hair. Oh, I can't remember her name. But like, that was like, I imagine the script just read like, looks concerned on everything. <laughs> says nothing. Looks yeah, concerned. Says nothing. I will say Dana, the blonde who went to Las Vegas, though, she really committed to the bit. One, sleeping with Lloyd, and two, the way she killed herself was so brutal. Yeah, yeah, that was a really um, kind of for my not horror-loving self um, intense scene where she, like, you know, splits her, or cuts off her own head on, like, a pane window, basically. I remember watching that when with my mom when I was little and just like looking at my mom like what are we watching yeah <laughs> ABC had some wild stuff though because I think they also made Twin Peaks and I would watch that yeah I'm like what the hell are we watching I love it <laughs> this was this was kind of the the like kind of six week mini series thing was popular in the early 90s like I think they did one for like Lawnmower Man and Tommy Knockers. Oh, yeah um as well yeah it's really it's a great model to keep your people drawn in drawn in because mm-hmm. you know you gotta watch not like now where we can you know watch it all on youtube whenever we want all at once yeah <laughs> did you watch all at once i did not i kind of i i watched i watched like the first half of it and then the the last i watched like in one hour long chunks so and Gwen sent me a photo on uh, Instagram of her kitten just transfixed by the movie. What scene was it that the kitty loved so much? Uh, it was when Gary Sinise broke his leg on the oh. their like trek to um, Las Vegas. And anytime he was on the screen, Franklin was just all about it. Like, oh. could not take his eyes off of him. Someone's got a crush. <laughs> Apparently. How anticlimactic was that? That like, he made all these bold speeches to go out there and then it just turned into, oh, well, guess I'm just going to sit here while you guys go have fun. Sorry, I broke my leg. Yeah, it was. It, it was. Um, but you kind of expected that to happen, I think, because um, Mother Abigail had like made that prediction that only three of them would make it there. And but you knew he wasn't going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, it was that he was be a dad. Yeah, he's going to not make it there like in another way. Because she would have just said, oh, one of you will die. That's true. Yeah. I also, I love the fact that Mother Abigail probably never let anyone like sleep soundly. She's always coming in with like dream jobs she wants to have. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, I've had a vision and it's everyone's problem. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot escape me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. Her makeup was something else. Oof, yeah. Have you watched the remake at all? Oh, no, I haven't. So Whoopi Goldberg plays Mother Abigail, which I really oh. love. She she brings a bit more strength to it than uh-huh. 
mother this mother abigail feels very frail and granted i know she's 106 but hey she's still making her own bread so you know it's every day she'll tell you all about it <laughs> playing the guitar what yeah i i oh that sounds exhausting i'm, I'm looking for maybe 80 tops you know that would be mm-hmm. a good run. yeah yeah 106 <laughs> is is far too long to live oh yeah were there any other themes that jumped out at you in the movie I yeah again the the the, the like kind of chastity thing of of like oh you need to be in a serious committed relationship before you're allowed to do anything even remotely sexual or bad things will happen oh yeah um also seem to repeat in the like Harold and Naomi um storyline and uh and I love how we got like wild and tried to blow up the city council or whatever (laughs) the boulder free zone yeah Harold, the original incel uh, yes totally was the original incel yeah. yeah so um yeah at youth group it was you know we were we were supposed to be talking about this as this allegory to revelation um but i like i said i think it was mostly just the dude wanted to watch it and um so we watched it and you you just kind of thought about it on your own as opposed to talking because, you know, middle schoolers <laughs> aren't having these nuanced conversations like we are now, you know. <laughs> so I'm so glad I got to revisit this. Me too. We got to work through all that stuff from what? Middle school. Yeah. I have to say, you, you said you grew up Catholic. I always kind of admired Catholicism because like um, Protestant religions kind of felt like um, or feel like, okay, feel guilty, but there's nothing you can do about it. With Catholicism, you got you got to do confession and, and stuff, and uh, and I was like, okay, that's that's yeah, that yeah. seems like a good system, like a very tit for tat, you know, one for one situation. Yeah. So you guys don't have confession? No, no, no. You just you just have to deal with that all on your own internally. Um, bottle that up, and you know, never let it out. Oh yeah, <laughs> we we do a little of that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have a whole brand of like spooky voodoo stuff. We got saints, which I think is kind of fun. I mean, obviously I'm not practicing, but like if you're, you don't know where your car keys are, you pray to St. Anthony. So it's like the original Pokemon in a way. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's but funny. Each has special powers. When I, I, would, I did a tour down South through like um, Arkansas and part of Alabama. And I thought, that they wouldn't like that I talked about my day job because I'm a union organizer. Uh That they were like 100% on board for. But when I talked about being Catholic and growing up Catholic, I could feel all the audience like pull back. Like they were not into that. They were not. I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, so I, um, you know, kind of grew up in the Midwest in like my younger years. And then we moved down to um, Tennessee when I, like the summer between middle school and high school. So I had both the like very kind of Midwest, you know, hands-off youth group experience. And then also the like kind of big mega church type, more type experience where, you know, the, the talk about hell and revelation was, was very like fire and brimstone. Um oh and 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 intense so you know they would have loved this version of the stand there (laughs) what were your favorite parts of this movie um favorite parts of this movie um I actually loved um 
when Molly Ringwald and her dad uh, were like kind of having his final moments together. Like I thought that was really sweet and touching. Oh, um, that totally made me ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, then I also um, really liked the scene where like they all come to Mother Abigail's house uh, together and it's like, oh, you're he- you're here, you're here. And, and that kind of like um, realization and like everybody having a good time together, even though, you know, just moments ago, they thought they were the only ones left um, on in civilization. And so that was like, it was a very like good, hopeful moment, I feel like. That was cool. They all found each other. It made you feel yeah. For it's like story. oh you find your people wherever you go yeah that's beautiful my favorite scene is not as inspired it's totally harold and nadine's sex scene <laughs> also great also great oh my god it made me laugh so hard when uh she first when nadine is like i can't have like basically can't have penetrative sex with you but we could do other things yeah, which is a super like uh, Christian religious <laughs> uh, youth group type upbringing thing. Yeah, and then they like, I don't know if it was the way it was filmed or just how things were filmed back then, but it, all the kissing was so like. <sighs> <laughs> yes, so much mouth pushing, like, like, like a lot of movement, a lot of heavy breathing um first Nadine gave the performance of a lifetime love her um what without saying a word yes (laughs) throughout most of that movie her eyes they screamed with terror yeah um at first I was like having a hard time not picturing her as um Maureen from Breaking Bad now if I rewatch Breaking Bad I'm not going to be able to not see her as (laughs) (laughs) this is her pinnacle performance that's so funny because I got excited because I totally remember her as the uh, reporter, I think, from uh, Just Shoot Me. Or was it News Radio? Uh, news Radio, I think. Radio. Yeah. Yes, yes. Some, <laughs> obviously, I have a very good memory. Um, but yeah, I was totally imagining her as that. Like, I got to get back to the radio station. <laughs> or magazine, whatever. I'm mixing up all my 90s sitcoms. Uh, my other... Okay. Also like the Harold and Nadine sex scene. I loved how it was like, we can do other things. Like you can touch my leg. And like, it was like very like the close up camera shot of like touching a shoulder is, yeah. it was a lot implied, but I just like looking back now as an adult, it was so hilarious. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm sure part of that too was just cause it was on like primetime television. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like, if, you know, I think if it had been shot for like a feature film, they could have been a bit more explicit. Yeah. <laughs> and my other favorite part was when they were going into hell or like uh, Las Vegas and they get stopped by the, um, you know, the people who work for Flag. Yes. And then they were like. And it's like two cop cars and 10 guys like you're not getting through here. <laughs> I love how they walked up like we're the best friend gang and they're all holding hands <laughs> like I mean I lo- I believe in love and hope and stuff but I don't know if I would like hold hands and walk into a bunch yeah, of armed dudes but then they were like trying to do intake on them and they're like okay so what are your social security numbers and <laughs> 
I love the idea that there are bureaucrats for the devil. <laughs> yes. No. When and then when they like put them in jail, I was like, oh, so we haven't gotten past carceral justice, um, even the in post-apocalyptic times. Yeah. Good to know that everybody still had to, uh, you know, get their fingerprints collected and their mug mugshot taken before they were assigned their cell. Yeah, it's it's hell, but we still have paperwork, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, the paperwork is the hell. There's actually more paperwork now. Good point. Um, oh yeah, did you have any other favorite scenes? Because I had one more, but I want to like- No, 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 go for it. Oh, my other favorite part was when Robert Flagg was like trying to schmooze Glenn into coming into his side. And he was like, I can fix your arthritis. And Glenn made his arthritic fists like, yeah, like, <laughs> and just like showed him like, I don't give a shit about you and how much it hurts having, I'm someone who has had arthritis. So it's like, fuck yeah, Glenn. <laughs> yeah. You own that power. And yeah. And then, and Glenn, Glenn is like, how, for the rest of my life, how long is that going to be? Six hours, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Glenn's a smarty. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right, though, in that, like, a lot of the women didn't have much agency. I think Molly Ringwald probably had the most character development. Yeah, yeah, because it goes from, like, you know, lighthearted teen helping her father garden to losing him and then being kind of stalked and betrayed by her childhood lava or crush or whatever. And then all grown up to, you know, get married and have a baby. yeah. And Stu comes back, which is uh... yeah, pretty in pink indeed. Oh, um, did like one of the one of the things that I forgot that we did in the early '90s was like just the real casual use of the R word. Oh yeah, <laughs> it uh, yeah yeah, and th that was like a whole genre of '90s movies was like the lovable neurodivergent. Um, developmentally delayed person you know like and it, it we just obsessed in the 90s yeah um yeah I really you know sometimes I think like things haven't changed that much but then I see something like this and I'm like oh we have come a long way <laughs> absolutely yeah I was I was like heartened that it's like oh we don't say that on network television anymore and for the most part not in like normal conversation yeah unless I, you're a real scumbag <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I do hear it sometimes at comedy shows, and I'm always like, really? Yeah. Uh, um, but that could be a whole other 20-minute rant. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I just, I feel, I really appreciate that we've come to a place where we're a lot more thoughtful with our language and inclusive of everybody. It feels yeah. a lot better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, Tom Collins was... He was such a good character in the story. Like he was always down to help, always down to do the right thing and like really ended up saving everybody. Oh yeah, definitely. He's like the the hero. And that I think maybe was a little bit more of a religious theme too, was like the, you know, kind of the, the first shall be last um, yeah. kind of, you know, everybody's valuable. Even the person who has, who you, seems like has very little to offer. Um which is like also pedantic and ableist and everything, but what um, <laughs> was, uh, um, I think the theme he would look, kind of that one of those religious-y themes mm -hmm. teasing out. 
I do love the there there were those moments in the film like I never like Stephen King never struck me as a real religious guy but there were some phrases in this film that I was like really like uh I, I think it was Mother Abigail said like doesn't matter if you don't believe in God he believes in you yes <laughs> oh that is such like a religious grandma thing to say um if you want to like put on a black t-shirt and be like an angsty teen again <laughs> right right yeah i i loved to the like just casual use of um poetry in this film as if like people actually talk that way you know <laughs> like oh yeah i'm always qu- quoting yates at work you know, it's you just... know i can't get enough yates yeah and again I think that's like part of how Stephen King is like a brilliant writer for the page and not so much for the screen because like yeah maybe somebody is like uh really into poetry and you know calls back to that in in their times of uh stress at work but nobody's like saying it out loud to someone else (laughs) those are private thoughts that you keep to yourself while you're crying in the supply closet I worked at a place uh, with large walk-in coolers. So yeah, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody That's has to it. schedule their time to cry in the walk-in. <laughs> yeah, we can't, no more than two employees cry in the walk-in at one time, please. Uh, are there any final thoughts you had about the stand? Um, I just, you know, there are probably a, there's probably like a better way to spend six hours. Um, I might say just even like in investing six hours in reading the book, um, and seeing if you want to like, you know, glean some stuff from there, but, but for your listeners, you know, we watched it. So you didn't have to, I think it's what, is what we're saying. No one's ever given that final thought before. (laughs) That's very funny. You will hate this now. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed watching it. I thought it was like a fun romp back into my teenage years and thinking about the 90s. And yeah, yeah. Cool. maybe want to listen yeah. to Nirvana and <laughs> <laughs> have some go gurt. Listen yeah. to Nirvana, you know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, what are you working on now? I know you just recorded an album. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, it was um, so much fun. I'm really proud of it. Uh, recorded it at the White Rabbit Cabaret here in Indianapolis um, with On Tour Records. Um, it'll be coming out at the end of February. I don't have the exact date because I'm what? Professional. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be great. Um, I am going to be at the Alaska Before You Die Comedy Festival um, in April. So if you have any listeners in Alaska, I hope they will come out and see me there. Oh yeah, go see Gwen. Yeah, and um, yeah, follow me on social media. Um, I'm at Gwender Woman, so like Wonder Woman, but Gwen instead of Wan. Um, and, and you know, I'll have all the the like links and information there. Nice. Yeah, this will probably be coming out right before your album comes out, so go check that out. Yeah, I am curious because like I always have such a hard time naming things. What made you decide on No More Tears as your title? Um, so a, a little bit about the 
kind of the themed for me to like exploring this is like, um, you know, we are in these kind of like quote unquote post-apocalyptic times and like how I don't, I don't like, I'm just out of sad about it. You know, I just, I don't have like, so the only, the only thing I can do is, is like laugh at it, you know? Um, but then I also tell a really corny joke um, in it where I say, uh, I ran out of my antidepressants the other day. So I just started drinking Johnson and Johnson's no more tears shampoo. <laughs> so, um, and that was my favorite joke at the time of my album recording. And so I was like, that's what I'm going to do. That's, that's awesome. Gonna, I yeah. love it. And I think, you know, I think everyone remembers that shampoo and uh, it's a nice touchstone to bring it back to our current terrible times. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been getting through a lot of it with like long baths and showers. So, you know, that that celebration of um, uh, of comfort uh, in these uncomfortable times was was a was a delight. Yeah, that's a really good prescription for self-care. I personally have just been drinking enough coffee to feel like a hummingbird, which is not working well. <laughs> I can't imagine what that is doing for someone who might be prone to anxiety as stand-up comedians tend to be. Ah, uh, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and everyone go buy Gwen's album and go see her live and check out her website for dates. Mm-hmm.